Matthew chapter 10. Two. No, you're right. Two. Don't move. We were there. I don't think it's too late to squeeze in another Christmas passage. Pastor Hanks had us, gave us those little green cards, and we read through the Christmas narratives in the different Gospels. And, and this thought comes to mind whenever I read through Matthew chapter 2. It's the thought about in, in the iconic star of Christmas that songs are written about and that you see at the manger scene and, and you talk about the star. And this is the only passage of scripture that it's mentioned in. And it's intriguing to me that God used a star to be able to send the message to the Magi about this, the birth of Christ. Because everywhere else in the scripture, he uses an angel. And so it's kind of interesting. So let's read through it and just identify the star, and we'll take lessons from the star this evening and uh, see what God does with this passage. So Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, art not the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time they saw the star appear. What time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Let's, let's pray about this. Dear God, we ask that, that you would speak to us tonight. Uh, it is going to be a disappointing evening if we come, we gather, my words are, take precedence, and we leave. God, we would like to hear from you. The reason we open your word is because we want to hear from you. The reason that, that we come together as a church, Holy Spirit, is so that you might move among us. God, I ask that my speech and my preaching would not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power, that our faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we know it was a, an angel that appeared to Mary, Gabriel, and said that you are going to have the Christ child. We know that it was an angel that appeared to Joseph in a dream. We know that while the shepherds watched over their flocks by night, an angel came to them. But for some reason, God changes his MO. God decides to do something differently. And, and historically or, or geographically, we could suppose why it was. But it would seem to me, just, just from a third-party perspective, that the angels seem to be doing just fine. That the angels would have been sufficient to be able to appear to the wise men. Why did God use a star? The end of this is, I don't know. I don't know why he used a star. I, I, I almost have the same question about just the stars in general. Take your Bibles to Genesis 1. Let's look at the creation of the stars and, and just the, the vocabulary of creation. When God made the stars, Matthew, or Genesis chapter 1, verse 16. And God made, Genesis 1, 16, and God made two great lights. So we have like the subject matter. He's talking about two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, uh, which we would think would be the sun, yes. And then 
the lesser light to rule the night, the moon. And then he throws in this little phrase, and he made the stars also. Like the billions and billions and billions. That's how great our God is. You know, he just kind of like sprinkled them out there. Oh yeah, and by the way, I'm going to throw out all of these stars too. And we think, okay, God gave the reason behind the sun to rule the day. And if we're going to draw like an analogy, a parallel, there, there is the, the son of God. There's one son, one sustainer of life. The Bible says in John 1, 9, and that is the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And we think about the son that sustains life and is the greater light to rule the day. We think about the lesser light, the moon, that, that affects the tides, that directly influences this world. And we think about some great leaders of history that have just done some fantastic things. Alexander the Great. I mean, we say it like it just flows. But throw the great on the end of your name and it's really awkward. You know, there's how many Marks are in here? We got one, two, three. None of us are going to be identified as Mark the Great. Just sounds weird. How many Jacobs do we have? We have Jakes and Jacobs at one, two, three again. Jacob the Great. Kind of laugh, they like it's kind of weird, but but there's guys in history that were the greats, people who influenced the the tides, the ebb and flow of history. They changed the course of human events because of their influence. And then he made the stars also. I think about men, leaders, even in our Baptist circles. I think we were talking about um, Ron Hamilton. And Patch the Pirate, does that, does that name ring a bell to, has he ever been here? No, but we, the majority of the people in here know his name. Just because of his influence on, on our generation and the generation before us. Chances are, we're not going to have that recognition. I haven't written any songs yet, or storylines, nothing and he made the stars also. Sometimes I look at it and I say, God, I, I get the significance of the sun. I get the significance and the impact of some great leaders of history and how you've placed them. But uh, I'm just one of the stars just here. And why did you, why? And sometimes that question comes, why, why, what is my purpose? Why did God create me? For what impact? For what influence? Because apparently I'm going to come, I'm going to be born, I'm going to die. I'm not going to leave any major change in this world. And so the idea is this, that if you and I will take our life and focus on our life and in our, our existence, and we forget that it should be centered around God, we're going to feel like that. You're going to feel like I, you have no purpose. So why did God create the stars? Because God wanted to create the stars. He wanted them up there, and he chose to put them up there. And, I, and we don't serve a purposeless God. We don't, he doesn't do things without purpose, without reason. Now, we may not know them. We may not be able to identify them. But you know that we serve a God of purpose, a God of specificity. And when he placed the stars out there, he did it because he wanted them there. And when he had you born at this time, or in the house you were born in, or brought to this place of the country that you were in, because he wanted you here. And so when we pull back and say, look, it's about him. Revelation 4.11, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they were created. We were created for God's pleasure. The stars, God wanted them there. Apparently they bring him pleasure. Yeah, we get to benefit from it, but ultimately, look, when you look at the stars and you say, they're all just the same, there's just a, billions of them. Now, okay, statistics about stars are a little hard to throw out there 
because the same people that like develop these statistics about stars also have the statistics about the world being billions of years old. So it makes me skeptical about this, okay? But, but we do know that a little differentiation. One, they're observable. Two, God says they're innumerable. So we do know that there's lots and lots of them. So there's an estimated 110 billion people that have been born since Adam and Eve. Similarly, there's about 100 billion stars in our galaxy. Just, if one of the stars goes out, who notices? What difference did it make? And sometimes we go through life and we have moments where we think, if my light goes out, what, what difference does it make? There wasn't much of an impact that I had. But you understand it's not about you being the center of this. It's about God. It's about him placing you here and him placing me here. And for his pleasure, we are and were created. And so if you have brought pleasure to your creator, to your God, then you have served a great purpose. There are no small jobs in the service of the king. When you're part of God's family, you are important. He thought enough to create you. He gave you life. He gave you breath. Why? Well, he created the stars. But he did it. We are here because of our Father. The Bible tells us in this Psalm 147, 4, he tells the number of stars. God knows the exact number. He calls them all by their names. Like when, when you think about how special are the stars, how special are individuals, Psalm 40, verse 5, many O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to us where they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. People, it is important that we don't forget how much God thinks about us, how much God cares about us as an individual. And if we would garner our value and we would understand our, our worth based on the fact that God created us, not based on how much influence you may have or based on how much you might change the course of history. Just the very fact that God decided to create you and decided to place you here, it identifies your worth in him. Amen. Sometimes some of the most thankless jobs, I think, about, <laughs> I think about mothers staying home. This is an investment where you're going to pour yourself into to a little human being and, and maybe not see any, like, return on this investment for years and years, decades even. But you do it. You fulfill this role, and you're faithful to it. We think about pastors of churches and small churches. I got to go to Junction City uh, last Tuesday, the, the Wednesday before that. Uh, we were over in Missouri. And just uh, small communities, pastors that have been there, Brother Kagan, there for 40 years, started that church 40 years ago. What kind of waves is he going to make? What kind of splash is he going to have on the independent funnel? You know what I'm saying, that thing. What, I don't know, but he's faithful where God put him. And God called him to that community, and God placed him in that church, and God gave him his wife and his children, and he's caring for what God gave him. And I'm telling you this, that he is doing what God has called him to do. He's bringing pleasure to his creator. And he made the stars also. He made you and I also. And so, so one light goes out, one star dims, one of a hundred billion. Are you doing what God called you to do? Then you are here because God wanted you here. 
we think the, the first observation is just that all stars look the same to us, but they don't to God. He knows them by name. And all individuals, you might feel just one of masses, but you're an individual to God. And, and God's concern for the individual is made clear throughout Scripture, and it should be made clear in your own heart today, that God loves you. I think about in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For a just man, but God didn't die for us because we were just. God didn't think of you at your best and suffer on the cross and say, he's worth it, she's worth it. He thought of you at your worst, and that was the love of God. Uh, Brother Nearing, I had, Mark, I had this thought when we were doing, you were doing the Christmas play. And, and if you're in church, you saw the analogy between the judge, right, and the, the uh, what's that person called? The criminal? <laughs> Yes, that, that one, the defendant. You saw, you saw it coming, the fact that the judge was going to cast a verdict and that the judge was going to pay for it. You kind of, there was enough foreshadowing. You saw the parallels. I had this thought, is it, I don't know, I had, had it earlier. So the, the verdict went out and he gave him the maximum sentence. The judge had within his power to lessen the sentence. He knew before he made that sentence that he was going to pay it in full. He very well would have been justified in saying, I'm not going to give you a $4,000 fine. I'm going to give you a $400 fine because it would have been more affordable to him to pay it. Throughout the Old Testament, whosoever sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And we see that the wages of sin that God said is death. Knowing full well that his son was going to pay that price. He could have very well from the beginning, knowing that that was going to come, lessened the penalty on sin, but he didn't. He put a full penalty on it, knowing that his son was going to have to bear that on the cross. Amen. Care for the individual. That God loves you. And so don't go through this life thinking that you are not important. Don't go through this life thinking that you're too important either. Don't take yourself seriously. But understand that God created you for a purpose. And he cares about you. He cares about, he cares about your now. He cares about your tomorrow. He cares about your eternity. First observation is just that they all look the same. It's one of billions, but not to God. He knows them by name. We think about this. The stars are small in appearance, but in actuality, they're very large. So um, if I asked you, stars, big or small, what would you say? Big. They're big. Because we know that because the people that said there's billions of them told us. <laughs> but listen, if, okay, so here's the statistic. If I hold my thumb up to the night sky and I put about 20 inches from my face, the idea is that I have just blocked from my view a million billion stars. So well, there's only, what, 100 billion in the galaxy. But how many galaxies are there? The idea that there are so many stars. So why do they look so small? Well, you know the word. It's perspective. It's because of how far away they are to us. And I think about the stars, just, they're, they're pointlessly small. They don't bring much light. They're just kind of way out there. But that's because my perspective of how far away it is. And it's a great day in a Christian's life when we decide to share God's perspective on things. When it comes to our personal sin, to share God's perspective on sin in our life and realize that it isn't just a casual sin. It's not just a bad habit. It's, a, it's something against your God and it's something against his word and how damaging it can be for an individual because ultimately it goes against God. 
Think about the words that we speak, the attitudes that we have. And sometimes it's easy to be dismissive of, of the things that we do. And we say, well, they're just small things. From your perspective, maybe yes. But don't live life based on your perspective. Live life on God's perspective. Live life understanding how big these decisions are. Uh, the sun is an average sized star. There are stars out there that are 17 times the size of the sun. They're huge. They're massive. But they don't look very big to us. When it comes to sin, when it comes to decisions that we make... You don't know and I don't know which decision is going to be the big one in your life. Which one's going to alter your, your, your eternity. When I got saved, it was a regular Sunday night service. There wasn't anything special. There wasn't a special speaker. It wasn't advertised. It wasn't a conference. It was just a normal Sunday night service. But that was the night that changed my forever. And it was a small decision, something that was just insignificant. Going to another Sunday night service. I'd been to 51 of them that year. What's another one? It was huge to me. And you and I don't understand sometimes the impact of the decisions that we make and what that can mean. Preaching to teenagers, how many teenagers have, have just absolutely destroyed their life because of a minimum wage job, because an hourly job, and they decide to just kind of veer their attention away from ministry, away from home, away from church, and it destroys them. And you're thinking, look, this is something that's small. Yes, it's a Sunday night, it's a Wednesday night, you go to dozens of them, but you don't know how important this is. And you, you stress that importance. And as a youth pastor for 11 years and talking to families and trying to make that feel important, the night I went to church, I had no idea it was going to be the night I was going to get saved. No idea. We talk about this with teenagers, but the, the, the hourly wage, the amount the salary is, doesn't make any difference to the principal. If it's a minimum wage job, the principal holds true to if there were such a thing as a maximum wage job. Right? You say, look, it's not worth it missing out on church and perhaps missing something special that God has because you're going to make nine, ten bucks an hour. It's not worth it if you're going to make nine or ten hundred dollars an hour. What's ten hundred dollars? Thousand dollars an hour. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Man, words are hard. Good thing I don't do this for a living. The principle holds true. When it comes to just decisions... If I walked up to a home and I, and I heard loud cursing coming from that home, it would be a fair judgment call to say, this doesn't sound like a Christian home. It would, it would be an easy decision for, for me to make and say, this doesn't sound like a Christian home. You say, well, my home doesn't curse. Does your, your TV curse? If the TV was up loud, you'd say, this is not a Christian home. It's just, I'm not saying it, I'm just listening to it. The, the little decisions, the little things, to us they seem just small, but, but to share God's perspective... The, the psalmist said, but our God is in the heavens. His perspective on these things is different. And for you and I to share that perspective, perspective on life, perspective on eternity, perspective on sin, perspective on decisions. Like the stars seem so small, but in actuality they're big. And the decisions that you make and the things that you do, how they can change the course of your life. And just a lesson from the stars this evening, considering the impact of the decisions we make. Our third observation is this. A single star is unimpressive against such a vast black canvas. Growing up in Chicago, occasionally you would see that one star, and then you realize it was a helicopter, and then you would... <laughs> didn't see much of it there. Um, I remember taking this bus kid to church, and he was always looking for the big dunker. Like, Where's the big dunker? <laughs> I don't even know what they're called. 
one day I got to go with my pastor, Pastor Gomez, to Minnesota, and they took us on a fishing trip. And I had never seen stars. I mean, I think they're always up there, but I had never seen them like this before. It was one of those times where there's almost more white than there was black. Just something I had never seen before. It was so impressive. And I thought about just how a single star by itself, it doesn't cast much light. It doesn't make much of a difference. But when you have a collection of stars that you can see, when there's unity in a home, it makes a difference. The world stops and recognizes this. I took a family picture when we were in Oregon with my family, and I, I sent it to my neighbor in Texas. And they, they started going to church with us. They're, they're not church-going people. That's not kind of, wasn't a part of their existence. They're, they're in their 70s. And he said, Mark, I'm printing and, and putting this picture up in my house. It was my, he, it was my extended family. It wasn't his family. It wasn't even us. It wasn't even the six of us. It was all of us. And he just said, it's so unique to see a family that can get together like that. When there's unity in a family, when there's a common denominator, when there's, when there's a love for the brethren, the Bible says that hereby shall men know that you are my disciples. Look, the world, men stop and recognize that there's something uniquely different about a Christian that loves, that cares for his siblings or for his wife or a wife that respects her husband or a church family that's not bickering. The world recognizes that and your heavenly father looks down and he says there's something special when that day comes. We think about Pentecost and the unity that came that day when they're all in one accord and the Holy Spirit does his special work when there's unity among the brethren. And when there's a single star, when you're a lone wolf, when you're just kind of migrating by yourself, you know what? The chances are that you're not going to be so impactful as you would be if you would be a part of an assembly, part of a family, a family of God, a local church. I think about just the idea that unity is something that the devil hates because he understands how special it is and what the Holy Spirit can do when there's unity. So as you and I, as mature Christians, we have got to identify that the devil will always try to disrupt the unity in a home. He'll try to break apart the unity of a church. And for you to have that spiritual awareness and to constantly be uh, actively pushing against that is so important. Recognizing those, those, those strifes and those bickerings and saying, you know what, we're not going to have a part of this. We're going to, what's that thing called when you make it go down? So, not suppress, help me out with these words, decompress, I feel like I'm at the chiropractor now, no, no, diffuse, diffuse the situation, thank you for your help, it's good, <laughs> the idea of just, just um, yielding for the sake of unity, you know when there's a conflict between a husband and a wife, the couple should win. The, the unit should win. The home should be strengthened at the end of this. I'm not saying there's, there's not going to be disagreements, there's not going to be conflicts. How many times do I remember as a teenager getting in an argument with my mom? And when I would get upset, my mouth would get fast and my words would just cut. I remember, I remember winning arguments. And I saw my mom crying. And I thought, yeah, I don't feel so good about winning that one. I, told her, I outwitted her, I outtalked her, I put her down, and I won it. I felt like a complete loser because our home lost. Next time you get into an argument with somebody and you're just like, I'm going to win, I'm going to win, I'm going to win, you know who loses? Everybody loses at that point. You've lost. You've lost. You get in conflict in the church and you say, look, I just can't stand that this happened and, and it escalates and goes up and up and up. Why don't you just yield? The idea of just a single star Yahoo, you did it. You're on the top. You're by yourself. 
unity is something that's special to God that the world will take note of. Our last observation tonight is that some stars will shine for their entire existence and never be noticed by the world. So the idea of light years, okay? The sun, 93 million miles away from the world, this earth. The next closest star is 4.25 light years away. So I don't know what light years are. So I decided, let's, let's get, a, let's get a, um, a parallel. If the sun was an inch away from us, the next closest star would be four miles away from us. It's the distance between the stars. And so some will shine and shine and shine, and, and their light may never reach this world. It's the idea of just faithfulness. I think about when God made the, great, the sun to rule the day and a lesser light to rule the night, and he made the stars also, and he just flung a star out there, and, and it shined for hundreds and thousands and thousands of years, and its light didn't hit the earth, and thought, what's the point? And when the fullness of time had come, the light hit the earth at just the moment to announce the birth of a king. It's just faithfully shining. Oh, I get it. It's a star. It's an inanimate object. But for you and I who have a choice, who can decide whether to be faithful or whether to give up, why don't you decide to just be faithful? To just keep going, this year, how did you do with your Bible reading? Let's, let's renew our Bible reading for next year. And sometimes we read it one morning, we say it didn't have much impact. And we read it the next morning and say, what's the point of this? And the next morning, and I'm in Isaiah, and I don't know what it's saying at all. And I just keep on reading and reading and reading. And the idea of faithfulness and the difference it can make when you will stay faithful. When you have a job and the idea that you think, my job is so meaningless. My, my existence is so underwhelming. Just staying faithful to what God has called you to do, to the family that God has given you, to the church that you are placed in to the ministry that you get to serve in you work on a bus route stay faithful to that bus route you teach a little girl Sunday school class stay faithful to those little girls and teaching that class and pour yourself into it you say why I don't know if I'm ever going to make a difference your God sees it your God placed you there and your God is required of a steward that a man be found faithful and that's his requirement for you and for I and when you and I are faithful you have no idea the impact that you will have you don't know what that one light will do in someone's life. You don't know what that one word of encouragement will mean to a young person coming through this ministry. You have no idea when you take a new member and you embrace them and you say, brother, it's good to have you here, what that can do in the life of a young Christian. And for you to just stay faithful. And if you're not here to do that, you can't do that. Just stay faithful. Be planted where God has put you in the home that God has put you in, to the parents God has given you. Stay faithful to those things. You say, I, I've been doing this day in and day out, and it doesn't seem to be making a difference. You know what? Did your God call you to do this? Did your creator put you in this place? Then you stay faithful. Because it's not about you at the end of the day, and it's not about me, and it's not even about the influence that we're going to have on this world, but it's about him. And it's about his perspective. And it's about pleasing him with our existence. And he's pleased with faithfulness. So we look at the stars and we think about, there's so many of them. They all look the same. Not to their creator, they don't. And yeah, you might not be a, a lesser light to rule the night. But God chose you. And he placed you exactly where he wanted you. And he knows your name. And he cares about you. And he died for you.
and he rose for you. And he sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you. And his thoughts for you cannot even be numbered. We think about how it seems so small. But sharing God's perspective will change that about our thoughts towards our decisions, towards our sin. We think about unity. We think about how just impressive that can be when there's togetherness in a home, in a church family. We think about faithfulness and how God is pleased with faithfulness. And when they saw the star, the Bible says, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Let's pray together. Before I pray, I just want your mind to go to your existence and your relationship with your creator. First of all, do you know him as your savior? The Bible says, behold, now is the accepted time. Today's the day of salvation. This is an invitation. It's an opportunity for you to respond. And if you do know him as your savior, do you understand? Are you living life in light of eternity? Living life as if you were handpicked by your creator for such a time as this.